0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up presents the, the uh, not the Sunday sprints, the Monday sprint. Uh, it is the NBA preview special on this Monday, December 21st, as we get ready for the start of the 2020 2021 NBA season. We welcome in senior NBA analyst, uh, chief Knicks analyst, and president of the Frank Nilikian Fan Club. Jordan Brickman, back to the show. Hello, Jordan.
1: Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me.
0: It is my pleasure. Um, So let me start here. Um, You know, I was having a wonderful weekend. I was relaxing. And then the Jets won yesterday. And Uh I had a bunch of people who were stunned that I was happy that, that the Jets won that game. Stunned, but I was genuinely happy for these guys because they should have won three weeks ago. They've been playing hard all year. I've never been a fan of tanking or trying to have the worst record to get the number one pick. There's always ways you can move around that in my mind. And, and, and my dad and I, you know, he brought me up on you play to win the game. You play hard and what happens, happens. Yet I had people saying, I'm so sorry. You know, uh, I can't believe this happened. The Rams were not the team I thought you were going to beat. And I'm just wondering, you and I are wired the same way for our teams. You are one of those Knicks fans that watches all 82 games, no matter how good or how bad they are. And where does your balance fall between wanting to see this team succeed and play hard versus knowing something like for, for 2021, Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State is sitting out there?
1: Well, so, so my, my mindset is I want to be either the best or the worst. I don't want to be in that middle pack. Mm. Um, so so sometimes that could mean I want the team to lose. And sometimes, you know, I wanted, I'm a Giants fan. The Giants were 0-5 this year, 1-7. and 7. I wanted them to lose at that point. However, when you start winning and you're winning because of your young players, that's when I am invested in you winning again. I don't want to go back to the Knicks. I don't, I don't want to be winning because Taj Gibson is playing 30 minutes a night and hitting jump shots. I want to be winning because R. J. Barrett has developed and Mitchell Robinson's playing meaningful minutes and the young players are playing well. If the young players are playing well, that means we're on the right track. Um, and, and that means we're we're developing and we're and we're actually building a program. I don't I don't wanna win because the backup quarterback or the thirty five year old veteran is playing well. So mm. so that's kind of how I look at it. If, right. if we make the playoffs this year and we'll get into it, it's because the young players are playing well. It's, or at least I'm hoping, if if they if they do I don't think they make playoffs, but if they were to, it would be hopefully because the young players take a step, not because Alfred Payton is killing it 35 minutes a night. So right. kind of how I look at it is why, how are they winning and why are they winning? And if it's not for the future while you're winning, then then I'm not for it.
0: You know, the Knicks have had an interesting preseason, and, and, and there is some hype. They have won going away. They've won going through a big comeback. Um, it's been an interesting... Um, way that they've played this preseason and, and they've given a lot of teams hel- uh, uh, sorry, sorry, a lot of fans hope. So just on a broad level um, what have you been your thoughts through four games? It's an odd year it's an odd preseason you're looking at a very small um, number of data and amount of data but what's, what's your thoughts so far?
1: Well I'll start by saying that we should contextualize who they played the the Pistons and the Cavs might actually be worse worse than the Knicks, um, especially once you especially in a preseason game where they're not playing Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond or Kevin Love or whoever it might be. You know, their normal allotments allotment of minutes. There, those teams are not deep. They're not. Those teams are not, are not very good. They might have more wins than the Knicks at the end of the season, but from a preseason standpoint, the talent on the floor is just, it's different. So they're the Knicks are not really playing total NBA rosters in these preseason games. So just to contextualize that, as far as takeaways go um Tibbs clearly has these guys playing very hard um it's not the first coach that has come in and and has had the team to play hard for a preseason or a few weeks or a month or two so I want to see if that's going to maintain you know once once losing kicks in which this team is going to lose um how hard are they still playing come January come April come you know come later on in the season how, what does the team look like that from an effort standpoint um He's been playing the young guys. Uh, not in the starting lineup as much as, as, as I would like, but he's been playing them. Um, but that was a concern for, Fiz, for for Tibbs coming in. Does he, he doesn't really play rookies. He, so far in the preseason, he has. Um, RJ, I think, has looked very good. Uh, I'm not the biggest RJ fan. I, I don't know if he's ever going to be that all-star guy, um, but he has looked smoother. I think he's looked much more confident. The free throw line, his counter moves in the paint have looked fairly solid and smooth. It looks, like, it looks like the game has slowed down for him this year, so, so I'm excited to see what that looks like for him in, in, with a full workload. Um, Obi Toppin has been I mean, kind of hyperventilating out there. I think he's trying to do a little too much. He's trying to be like the perfect teammate instead of just letting the game come to him and taking the shots that, that, that are in his favor. Not too worried about him. I think his passing is legit. I think he's a very, very good passer, and it's going to come down to if he can hit jump shots, which I do think he will be able to. He's going to be bad defensively, but I think he has the potential to be a very, very strong offensive player quickly. Um, hopefully that's not... I think it's too frustrating to have Randall out there because he's someone that can be frustrating, but has looked decent so far to this point. Uh, I said the word quickly when referring to Obi. Obviously, Emmanuel quickly has been the far away, the bright spot of the preseason. He's very... Uh, interesting uh, as their second first-round pick this year at, at number 25. I don't think people really thought of him as a point guard when he got drafted. He's maintained. He's a point guard. And then he proved that he probably can be a point guard in the NBA uh, after the last preseason game. I'm not ready to, to crown him as the, the point guard of the future yet, but there's a couple things he does well that, that I think are real. One of them, obviously, is his jump shot, which we all know he could shoot. He's going to be a very, very high-level shooter in the NBA. Um, he he in, in college, he did a very great, very good job of getting to the rim and finished and, uh, shooting at a very high rate at the free throw line, I think over 90% in college. Didn't know that was going to translate to the NBA. To this point, he seems fairly crafty at getting to the free throw line, which is something that the Knicks sorely need, especially someone that will hit 90% of their free throws at that free throw line. He also seems to have the ability to make the basic read. And if he can be, uh, for as far as running an offense, making passes, finding the open man, if he can shoot, hit jumpers at a, at a high rate, attack the rim, get fouled at the rim, and make the basic read as well as have the floater that he's shown, you got a pretty good player on your hands. Especially because he's not a small one. He's got like a six, I think between six eight and six ten wingspan, six three. That's a totally fine one in the NBA. if He can play the one. Still more to come there, but uh, I definitely would rather see him out there than Alfred Dean or Dennis Smith Jr. at this point, so very interesting to see to see what,
0: what comes of him. Jordan Brickman with us on Teeing It Up as we preview the next 2020-2021 season that gets underway Wednesday night. Um, you had specific questions. Uh, one of them was, did the style of the NBA pass Tibbs by, and And for a team that needed defensive help, did it sway too much towards focusing on defense? So, you know, look, small sample size and you may, you know, not that the Knicks are trying to hide stuff from, as you said, teams like the Cavs and the uh, Pistons, which which are two poor teams in the NBA. But when you look at what Tibbs has shown in terms of sets, um, transition, half court, Defense. Do you think this can be a winning formula if the if if we get a, a lineup and a rotation that work and fit what he's trying to do? Do you think it can work in the twenty twenty one NBA?
1: It's it, it's really hard to say at this point because one of the things that Tibbs does, it seems like, is he he's going to demand one hundred ten percent out of every player on that roster and every person on that staff. Um, whether you know whether that he's demanding that in the right direction. Uh, is another conversation. He's going to demand a lot out of these players, probably more than they're used to. And then it's just about is does that work? Are there guys that are going to bring their lunch pail and say, Let, let's let's get the job done"? Or is the 2021 uh, NBA player not willing to do that? But a guy like RJ seems to be someone that is willing to, to do that, put his hard hat on, and, and say, "I'm going to work every all my kinks out in the gym." And maybe there's some other players that, that don't want that so it's hard it's hard to say at this point I would say at at this moment I'm optimistic he certainly has gotten the team playing very hard um, in the preseason so that's sign number one that that things are are progressing in the right direction and I'll tell you what if you have a a young team like the Knicks few of guys that are incomplete um, with multiple flaws basically per player you need to put some hard work in to fix those flaws out And, and, and I think Tibbs could be the guy to get them to put that effort in whether it turns out to make the players better and NBA players and um, have the Knicks develop in the right direction that remains to be seen but if anyone can do it as far as getting them to put the work in it's a guy like Tips
0: there are it, it's always interesting when you go on on Instagram and NBA off seasons and especially in this bizarre off season for the eight teams that did not go to the bubble and you had those OTAs and you're looking at videos that are coming out from the team and you're looking at you know uh you know, players working out together. Kevin Knox was one of those guys who you were curious about if this offseason work would translate into on-court performance. What have you gleaned from these four games, if anything, that can answer that question?
1: Yeah, well, obviously he had the big breakout game in uh, the, last, the last game against the Cavaliers, uh, where I think he hit six threes, five or six threes. Um, and I think it might have missed only one or two. Uh, at the end of the day, for him and for so many of these Knicks, it's going to come down to can they hit open jump shots? Just like similar with RJ, OB, Frank, a lot of these guys have to be able to show they can hit the open the open jump shot, the catch-and-shoot jump shot for most of them needs needs to be part of their repertoire. If Knox is hitting the, the, let's say, shooting a three at, he needs to be better than average. I would say 37% if he can be around there. The average is 35%. He's around there. He can. He'll be able to have people closing out hard on him. He can then attack those closeouts and and he can finish at the rim. He's not a guy. And we saw this in the last preseason game. He was hot, playing in the corner, hitting those corner jumpers that quickly was setting up for him. And the final four to five minutes or so, he was trying to create more offense for himself and he was not successful at it. He's not a guy that's going to be able to create for himself probably ever. He's not. A, doesn't have a very good handle. Um, but if he can hit jump shots three-pointers at a high rate, and then attack closeouts, he's a valuable player on the team. I don't think he's an all-star long-term. I don't. I think he's probably a borderline starter long-term. I, I don't think he'll ever be a plus defender. He's probably not going to do a lot of things other than shoot the ball. Um, but, but so far, so good. I mean, I, you know, a big thing for these guys, I think a lot of the young players in particular, is to get through training camp healthy and have some momentum going into the regular season. I feel like a lot of times... Um, someone gets dinged up in the re- in the preseason which you're saying with someone like Frank right now a little dinged up knocking the reps he normally would and he's playing catch up in the regular season then it can sometimes snowball um, Knox had a big ankle injury his first year fairly early on in the regular season so can these guys stay healthy and see some early success that they can build on and, and get more confidence so I think a lot, a lot of the issues with these players is confidence so hopefully Kevin has some confidence from the work he put in this offseason which sounds like was a lot and from the success he had in the last game and can come and can build on that this year you know it there are some new faces on this roster but a lot of the players played together last year that's you know, a different coach and new and a new system and all that but the guys should know each other's games, so hopefully that'll breed some, some confidence for, for for a guy like kevin who kind of a make or break year for him this year
0: um and by the way i'm not sure if you saw this but according to tibbs today at practice austin rivers and and Omari Spellman are still out. Everybody else is back, including Dennis Smith Jr. and Frank. So that's uh, a good sign for those two guys um, that they are back uh, practicing, getting ready for Wednesday night. All right. As I said, Jordan Brickman is the president of the Frank Nelikina Fan Club. And um, Frank is the never-ending question. And... Um, he got dinged up in the preseason, and we did not get a, a, a complete picture. Um, but from what you saw, uh, and and you were curious about if he could keep the, the the good, aggressive play he had going before the shutdown back in March, going, um, you know, from in what you saw, was it enough to say, hey, I think this can work, or where's the... What's the state of the union for the Frank Ntilikina fan club?
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's incomplete at this point. You know, it seems like Frank gets these little. He certainly seems to get a lot of little injuries. The groin lingered a lot. Now the sore Achilles popped up. So that's I think it's the first time I've, I've heard of Achilles bothering him. Um, so he seems to get a lot of these nagging injuries, and they always seem to come at the worst time for him. You know, or something happens like you know. Season gets shut down last year when when Frank seems to really be hitting a stride. Two best two best back to back games, five in his whole career, and the season ends. And you probably had another month or so to really get a full look at Frank when he starts to have some more success. And you miss out on that opportunity. Now it, it probably would have been interesting to see what would happen in those preseason games if Frank didn't hurt his Achilles to, to quickly even get these minutes. Um, how does Frank look? Is he playing point guard? Is he playing the two? Does he play next to quickly? You know, it's, it's very incomplete right now. I, I think. It appears that the, the team views him as a two or as a combo. Maybe he'll play the one sometime, um, but they I think they view him as, as probably a two at this point. Um, and we'll see. His shot looked good in the couple of games he played. He, I think he hit uh, a two of three or three of three of five or something like that from three. So a very, very small sample size, but always good to see them, them go in. He looks a little bit more mature just visually, um, looks a little more confident, looks like he's – pretty much fully grown into his body, so, so that's really good. He has an NBA-ready body, He's got that 7-1 wingspan. He's really the only player on the team on the perimeter who's an impact perimeter defender. There's a couple guys that are decent defenders. Reggie Bullock is a, is a decent defender. I think RJ has the ability to be a plus defender or an above-average defender, and the NBA is a physical tool to do so. Quickly seems to be a guy that puts some pressure on you. Dennis Smith is pretty good one-on-one, not so good in team defense. Frank's the guy that checks all the boxes defensively, and Tibbs is a guy that should like should like that about Frank. So it's it's incomplete. I'm worried about his minutes. Um, you know, you look at if, if a guy like Quickly is gonna is gonna be in the rotation, they're gonna have to play Payton. Where does Dennison Jr. fit in there? And then you look at Austin Rivers, Reggie Bullock, and Alec Burks. Some of those guys might not be super happy sitting on the bench. Some of them are gonna have to sit on the bench. And where does Frank fit in there? I think Frank has the most most unique skill set of all those players we just mentioned as far as what he brings to this specific team a lot of those guys have duplicative skills so i'm hopeful that he can at least settle into his 20 minute per game role uh probably off the bench but i would love to see him playing next to quickly and next to next to rj i think that's a very interesting multiple guys, three guys that can handle the ball that can pass a little bit um on the floor together i think that could be interesting they all have decent defensive chops uh, but Frank showed us some minor signs of attacking in the, in the preseason, just very small samples,
0: to say defendably. Talking to Jordan Brickman here on Teeing It Up. All right, uh, Brad, uh, one of our uh, diehard listeners to these podcasts, thank you, Brad, for this question and, 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 and for the other ideas you had uh, for this podcast. Does Obi Topman, uh, uh, top considering everything you just said about Frank, lift the skills of Knox and Frank in a meaningful way?
1: Well, I think, I don't know if does anything specifically for Knox and Frank. I, I think when we see, you know, some of the successful lineups they've had in the preseason have Mitch at the 5 and Obi at the 4. And when you, contra- when, you when you compare that to Randall at the 4 and Mitch at the 5 or Newell at the 5, um, the spacing is very different. So Obi just being able to stand on the perimeter and being, in theory, reasonable at hitting jump shot, open jump shots, Makes life easier for every other player because it, it creates more space on the floor. You don't have to you don't have to worry about Julius Randle hitting threes when he's standing on the perimeter. Um, you know he's more of a mid range shooter, attack the rim kind of guy, and that's where RJ needs to live to be successful. Is the guy that can attack the rim and be successful uh, in in the paint. Kevin Knox, like I said, he's got to hit that jump shot, but he's also going to have to attack those closeouts. If Julius Randle and Mitch are staying in the paint, it clogs that up. So just by Ob's shot profile he should make life easier for everybody because he's just spreading the floor more by the nature of, of where he's going to want to shoot it. You know, he's, he's going to be needed to be used in the post too, and in the paint, that's going to be successful. He's got to be a high riser and hit those high percentage shots. But if he can just shoot, again, all these guys just need to be, you know, league average, maybe a little above league average, and it just spreads everything out for, for the rest of the team. So, so I would say, yes, he helps Frank and, and and Knox, but he also helps the entire team because of the where he'll be standing on the floor.
0: Mitch to me seems like if he can uh, can continue what he's doing um, defensive player of the year is a is 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 a, a big term but i feel like if this nick team can be any good Maybe Mitch will get the recognition he needs as one of the elite defenders in in the paint. He had, what, five blocks the other night? Four blocks? Something like that? Yeah, And And uh, by the way, Knox had six threes, and Frank had two jump shots made in the first preseason game. So uh, your stat recollection was uh, basically spot on. I feel like Mitch is such an asset, and if he can keep himself out of foul trouble, and if this team can just win some games and be respectable a lot of the time— Mitch may get the recognition, finally, that he so deserves because he's a big difference maker when he's in there.
1: He is. You know, obviously, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. That's, everyone knows that anyone who's ever watched him play knows he's got to stay out of foul trouble. He had some minor improvements there, I think, in the preseason. He, the, the thing with Mitch is he loves jumping. He loves jumping at any pump fake you throw at him, and the other teams know that. So he doesn't need to jump. He's seven feet tall with a, a super long wingspan. He can just stand there with his arms up. It's going to make it difficult for players, especially... Perimeter players that are playing in the paint, so so those are the intricacies that someone like Tibbs should really be able to teach to, to Mitch, um, you know. But the real thing, you know, shot blocking is not um, the hard part for Mitch. Obviously, that's what comes easy to him. To me, it's actually how does he look when he's switched on the player on the perimeter? Because that's when that's when he's going to need to be great at in order to you know be in that defense of the year, defense player of the year conversation. To hopefully one day be out there in a playoff game closing. Um, that's what he has to, be. that's what makes guys like Rudy Gobert, who also struggles with this, or, um, or other players, Anthony Davis, other players that are great shot blockers, but also elite defenders, is the switchability factor. And you need someone like that who, you know, let's say playing Steph Curry in a playoff game, he's going to get switched on to him, can he be competitive and contest a Steph Curry shot or a Steph Curry driver, just as an example? Um, that's where he's going to need to really shine. I think he has the ability to do that, and that's what's tantalizing about him. Just blocking shots and just being a rim runner is nice, but those guys are not that valuable in the league anymore. Look at Clint Capella. You know, they, the Rockets basically couldn't, couldn't wait to get him off the team because they didn't want that skill set on the floor with them. Um, if Mitch is not, Mitch is not a good passer. At the moment, he's not a good shooter. He's basically limited offensively to just rim running, finishing putbacks, and dunks. So he has to really kind of develop that aspect of the game. I don't, I don't need to see him shooting threes, but being able to have one post move, make a, make a nice read on a cutter in the post, he, he doesn't do any of those things. So there's kind of a lot still he has to work on to become a player that you can play 35 minutes a night because he's not a factor offensively. Good teams will shut down the lob. And if he doesn't have that, then what is he doing out there on the offensive side? He's just clogging the paint. So, so he has a lot to work on still. Um, I, I, obviously, the fouls is step one. Keep him out there and keep his energy level high. Because it seems to me that his energy kind of similar, not not as much like Knox, but it seems like he also will, will sometimes fade um, and not play as hard as he possibly can. And that's just what comes with the, with the young player. Um, you know, will he will he get that effort and every single night? It sounds like Taj Gibson and DeAndre Jordan and now Nerland Noel are constantly in his ear about it, and hopefully it clicks for him one day. You know, there's some off off court concerns that are starting to bubble up around him with firing he's now on his sixth agent in the NBA Jeez. is that just a you know obviously you the weird college thing where he you know didn't play because the coach changed and, and um, you know so is that is that something with him that that is kind of weird uh, with his, his work ethic and how people how he treats people or, or is it nothing um, you know we're, we're just here to speculate on, on our side I, I'm gonna assume that it's nothing right now, but it's something to keep an eye on um, as there's questions about, about his his play style continue to come up because it's a big year for him. He's about to be a free agent next year. He's gonna you know, Knicks can extend him in this offseason if they want to. But what do you pay a guy with a limited offensive skill set that can that just block shots? He needs to become a well rounded defensive player that anchors the defense. If the Knicks are successful this year, Mitch will be a big part of that.
0: And especially if you look at You know, look at what Anthony Davis did, and look at what the Lakers are going to have to do, and 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 we'll we'll get to this more in a second. In involving resting some of these players that played so much in the bubble, is you can be okay with LeBron on the bench, and having Anthony Davis run things even as a big man, and that's the the leap that Mitch needs to make. Speaking of leaps, it does not need a leap of, um, you know, reading between the lines to know that. There are a lot of people who want Julius Randall traded. You are one of them who would love to offload this contract for something. Where do you think this ends up? Is this a deadline deal? Is this something where he's got to perform and the Knicks have to showcase him? How do you think this plays out? And what are you willing to take back?
1: Yeah, well, I'm not willing to take back anything that, that costs us money into the next year. Uh, you know, unless like a rookie player or something like that. But not any significant money um, into, into the next few years. Because he's expiring. So, um I guess to answer your first question yes this goes until a deadline um, they, I, I, my guess is they tried to move him in the off-season and just they couldn't find the right move uh, you know a lot of Knicks fans myself included thought Nicholas Batum could have been a guy that made sense the Hornets needed to offload that contract to sign Gordon Hayward they wound up just waiving him um, so the Knicks must have asked for for more than just Batum's contract back they, the Knicks view him as an asset the guy at the end of the day Julius Randle while not a great fit on this team um, he is a talented player. He can put up points. He's a good rebounder. Um, he's he's fairly versatile with the ball. Um, he's a good passer when he's not trying to do too much. When he's at the focal point of an offense, you know, you put him in like the 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 Trez Harrell role in the clip on the Clippers last year. Julius Randle is going to be a great fit for that. Um, there off the bench, he's, I think he'd be a great fit on a contending team. So can he get moved in the, at the deadline for anything? You know, another rumor was Mike Conley for Julius Randle because. That's a huge contract, he's been expiring. There's things like that that you can do. My guess is he ultimately probably just gets waived um, at the deadline. The Knicks will probably be out of contention by then. They'll say, okay, we can't just bench him. We can't, we can't get anything for him. We'll waive him and we'll give the keys to Obi. One thing I will say is that the way Obi has looked so far is he, I think he's gonna have a big leap mid-season or during the season, but he's not ready at this exact second to be an NBA starter. Um, it just takes some time to adjust to the NBA. So it's actually good that he probably is coming off the bench for a little bit of the season. Um, I'm anticipating there's a time hopefully not too far down the road where we say OB's ready to start now. And Randall is just going to be the guy that's just going to be clogging up the paint. He's going to spin into a triple team in the middle of the paint. He's not going to make the right pass. He's just going to frustrate us because he's not, he's not a, a one number one banana out there. And that's what he, that's what he has to be on the Knicks. So I'm, ho- I'm hopeful that he's moved at the deadline. I don't see him on the team at the end of the season. You know, it'll be kind of a similar year with kind of like Marcus Morris last year. They got a great asset for him. But, um, you know, you do your best, you compete so till deadline, you move on, then you play all the kids um, after the deadline passes.
0: We are talking to Jordan Brickman here on Teeing It Up. Um, all right, uh, let's just take a step back for a second and look at the whole NBA. To me, this is a very bizarre year and, and kind of a crapshoot starting out trying to predict things. Because I have no idea how something like the Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or Golden State without Klay Thompson but with a rested and healthy Steph Curry and Draymond Green uh, perform uh, versus some of these teams like the Lakers and the Clippers and the Heat that went so deep into the playoffs and, and, and so deep in the bubble. And this is the fastest turnaround in NBA history and I believe the fastest turnaround in the history of of North American sports Um, and when you have that situation you could have some quirky nights and some quirky games and the NBA has tried to um, tweak the rest rules to allow for this Um, just on a broad 30,000 foot level what's your your mindset entering tomorrow night? It's a bunch of unknowns uh, for me personally.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a weird season you know we don't know what some of the teams are going to look like just generally. Even If somebody didn't mention was Chris Paul and the Sun, like a totally new, yeah. uh, interesting team out there. Um, you know, I'm expecting there to be a lot of rest. Um, and this is actually something I think the Knicks can benefit from because um, their guys, their best players are all so young. They shouldn't be sitting out back-to-back. And they're going to be able to take advantage maybe of a team, a very good team sitting their stars on back-to-back nights. So um, there's going to be a lot of games that are not interesting this year because... I mean, I'm sure LeBron James. He's never really been a, a rest kind of guy, but um, I'm sure he's not going to want to play all 72 this year. He just played like a, two months ago, um, and he's going to want to rest his body as he's getting older and older for that playoff run that they're inevitably really going to make. So um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting year, but it's going to be a great time to showcase a lot of that the new talent. I'm looking at John Morant take a huge step this year and become one of the faces of the game. Can Zion stay healthy and really establish himself as a, just an absolute? Must watch phenomenon out there. Um, you know what does Trey Young and the Hawks team look like? That's a team that should be exciting to watch play. The Suns I mentioned. You know can Devin Booker and and take a step next to Chris Paul? Are they? You know can they be a top four team in the West? Um, that'll be interesting to see how they look. I, I like their team. Um, so so I'm looking for those kind of those those next the next tier teams to take a step. Or those next tier players that are younger on the precipice. I'm expecting them to kind of rise this year and, and get a little more sh- star star showcase because if you look at, like, Kevin Durant, and, and it's probably not he's playing every game, he's going to be sitting because um, he meets the rest of the Achilles. They're not going to push him too hard. Um, you know, Luke is, Luke is another guy that he kind of became a star last year, a full-time star last year with his play. So he, I'm assuming he's going to keep that up this year, especially with KP out for the beginning of the season. You know, I'm, I'm expecting him to be featured a lot on a lot of the big Pride time shows. So um, that's what I'm looking more at. Those guys versus some of the more vets like a LeBron or a Kawhi um, or even like a Giannis. He well, doesn't really fit either. But we um, will be interesting to see, see if the younger guys can kind of take the reins of their team.
0: Last year, I had you on in this exact slot and we did a segment called The Most Overhyped Person in the Preseason and that player was... Tyler Hero. <laughs> So, and, and when you brought that up the other day when uh, when uh, we were scheduling this, I, I, I just laughed. I'm not even sure Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson's uh, families or maybe even them themselves thought that they would be breakout stars in the playoffs, but lo and behold, they were for the Heat. So, who is the 2020 in this quirky year, overhyped preseason player in your mind?
1: Um, I'll go with Cole Anthony this year. Yeah. Um, He's had a fairly good preseason so far, um, but I just didn't like his game coming out of college. I thought he came out too early, um, and, and his draft stock showed he dropped you know, from where he was mocked at earlier in the year. He's expected to be a lottery pick, and, and he wasn't. Um, the guy can score points. I don't think he's a point guard in the NBA, or at least not a not a high-level one that can run an offense. Um, he's had a decent decent start. They're going to need him to score, so he's going to get some, some opportunities, too, but um, I, I don't think he's he, um, on in year one going to be a, a very impactful school, impactful player.
0: All right, so to close this podcast out with Jordan Brickman here on teeing it up, um, a the Knicks outcome and result for the 2021 season will be
1: uh, out of the playoffs, bottom six record in the NBA. We're going to win that lottery. Uh, number one overall, we're going to Cade Cunningham uh, and draft him. I think. I think uh, from a player to player standpoint, I think I do think RJ takes a step this year. I think we're looking at like 18, five and three with maybe I was thinking today about percentages that makes sense for him. Maybe like 44 45 percent from the field. If he can get to like thirty four from three, right below the local league average. Seventy five percent from the free throw line. I think that'd be a very nice step for him. Um, I'm, I'm hopeful. Ob looks like a legitimate offensive player in the future. That's that is a nice fit next to RJ, and hopefully his defensive limitations are not as bad as, as they've um, been been scouted to be. Although they don't look they don't look great so far. Um, I think quickly could be. I think his I think quickly floor is actually fairly high um, based off what what I've seen so far. So I think he's going to be a legitimate rotation player. I and mean, then it's going to come down to what does Mitch look like. What does Frank look like? What does Knox look like? Um, those are the guys. I think that'll be the key of them actually taking a step. Because if all those guys take a step, they have a decent team. They have a team that's got a chance of making making the playing game. But if those guys are just as good as last year or just as bad as last year, everyone I look at it. They're going to be the, one of the worst teams in the league, bottom three in the league. So um, it's about what the, what does Tibbs and what does the new developmental staff get out of them. Maybe they get. I'm hopeful they get a little bit extra out of them. But um, my guess is they're still a bottom. Bottom five, bottom sixteen in the league.
0: NBA final matchup and winner.
1: Got to go with the Lakers. Um, on the East side, it, it's hard. Um, you know, that, that Bucks is the easy answer. They added Drew. Um, I think the Raptors are are gonna uh, maybe sell off a little bit by by mid season. I picked the Sixers last year to beat the Warriors. Uh, another another great prediction after they, after they failed. Both teams failed, uh, both because of injuries and bad performance. Um, For the the, the sake of the pot, I'm going to pick the Sixers again and see if Doc Rivers and um, the addition of some additional shooting can can help them. um, I, I think. I don't know if Giannis has enough to, to get over the hump, so I'll go Lakers over Sixers in the finals.
0: Interesting, interesting. I, I think a lot of this in the East is going to come down to Kyrie and Kevin Durant and how they play well together and if and if KD looks anything like his former self. Because if, if that's not the case, then you've got a team... That'll be struggling at times, and if that is the case, then you've got a team that could be in the NBA finals and and win a title this year, especially if they pick up somebody at the deadline to, to fill a missing piece. So, I think that their floor and their ceiling may be the widest of anybody in the NBA, just because of the unknown in terms of two guys coming back from fairly serious injuries. So
1: that's true. Although if you take Katie and Kyrie off that team, they still made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Um. So so it's not a, so they have some depth. I do think KD is going to be fine. The guy's so skilled. Even if he loses, you know, half a step physically, he's so skilled. He's still going to be a great player. Kyrie has some health concerns. I think just in general, he doesn't seem to be able to finish the season. Um, they're a great team, or they're They have the talent to be a dangerous team. I guess is what I should say. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're winning a championship uh, with the current roster, though. And I think they're going to be pressured into making a big trade, trading probably too much, and. I, and Even if it's for James Harden, I don't think that team wins the championship either. They might win the East, but I don't think they're winning a championship.
0: We shall see how it all plays out. Jordan Brickman, happy calendar New Year and happy NBA New Year.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy.
0: You got it. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling.